6 a.m. on the West Coast, 9 a.m. on the East Coast of America. It's 2 p.m. in London in the UK, 7.30, Mumbai, India. Kyoto, Japan, it's 11 at night. And here in Malaysia, it's 19.43. I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. Yeah, we are a bit adverse to the old pants wearing around this place. I was almost late tonight because we had a Miko mishap, which I'm going to tell you about. It literally happened five minutes ago. Let me just say welcome to all of our folks listening across the planet on four live outlets right now. What I'm saying is coming out of my mouth, going into that microphone and into your computer or telephone speakers uh, live. We are also a video podcast, if you want to call it that. You can find all of our shows. This is our 163rd show. Wow. I think it's been just about a year. Uh, It's about a year anniversary now. Um, And uh, yeah, we're on Facebook, YouTube, twitch.tv, and rumble.com. Rumble.com, very cool place. They don't censor anything. You can post what you want. You don't have to worry about all that political correct crap. Anyway, uh, so we are live. We're also a podcast, the audio part of our show. Thank you so much. We've got a big audience in the U.S., Malaysia, of course, India. We're doing great in India. Uh, the U.K., uh, Australia, New Zealand, all over the planet. Thank you. Thank you so much for the subscribes and the downloads on all our live video channels and all our podcast channels. All right, let's get right to it because it just happened. Miko update. Me, 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 Miko update. Stop eating frogs. I was, I had nothing to update for Miko tonight. I literally, nothing has gone on except she's doing great, having a good time. I did dry out her Chinese New Year outfit and it doesn't fit anymore. So I have to get a new one. I'll give that one away to one of our Shiba Inu friends that has a new puppy. But anyway... I'm downstairs just before the show, as I always do, grab an extra cup of coffee and, you know, get ready for the show, settle in. And I've told you before that there has been this wart, well, we call them wart frogs in the U.S. They're toads. They're common wart toads. And they're called wart toads because on the back, they're not a frog, they're a toad. And the back is covered with all these warts. The warts have a very bitter poison in them. They're not deadly, but the poison is an irritant. And the idea is when an animal bites on the toad, the poison gets in its mouth and it's very bitter and it's, it's gross. And so hopefully they learn, don't bite me. This idiot dog has, we've had this toad come in our, our yard for months now. Actually, it's more than one. There have been some fairly good-sized ones and some little baby ones. Whenever she can find one, she is fascinated by it. She tries pawing at it. Occasionally, she'll try to bite it. She hasn't actually bit one. And so when I see her acting, I know she's got a toad. To grab the flashlight, I've got a pair of those pincher things, you know, the long stick with the pincher end. Pick it up, toss it out of the yard. 
I don't want to kill it. I'm that way with animals. You know, I, I, I don't kill animals. But tonight, there was a huge toad. Just now, five minutes ago. The thing was like this big, enormous wart toad. And she's playing with it. So I grab my stick and the flashlight. And by the time I get over there, she knows what I'm going to do. Because I do it all the time. I'm going to pick up the toad and toss it out of the yard. She actually latches on and bites the toad. And man, those defense mechanisms work really good. Because right away she drew back and starts yapping at her mouth. And it was all gross. Anyway, got rid of the toad, brought Miko in the house, brought her up to the sink. We pushed as much water into her as we could. I don't have any charcoal dog treats. That would have been probably another good idea to give her. I don't believe, I've read up on these toads before, I don't believe that the wart stuff is poisonous, like deadly poisonous. It's just, it's a deterrent to remind them, don't bite me. So I can still, I, even though we got a bunch of water down her and we rinsed her mouth out really well, literally five minutes ago, that's what I was doing with the dog at the sink. Uh, I can still hear, hear her downstairs coughing. So anyway, that's the Miko update. Stop biting wart toads. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you. Unbelievable. All right. <laughs> I got to move right on into something else. We're going to get to our triangle Nasi Lamak conspiracy theory something. We're going to do that coming up in just a bit. And I usually save this stuff for the end of the show. But the strangest thing just happened. I had this great philosophical thing. I always do the, the more philosophical stuff just before we start reading our book. But a dear friend of mine, Darren who I think I'm going to have on the, the live stream on Saturday as a guest talking about an incredibly cool project that's coming up. You need to know about this. But he sends me a quote, and it says, it's from uh, P.J. O'Rourke. Everybody wants to save the earth. Nobody wants to help mom do the dishes. Hmm. Now, here's the weird part. He literally sent this to me uh, just a half an hour ago, 20 minutes ago. Here's the thing. I was all set to share this with you towards the end of today's show. I'm moving it up to the front because this just happened. He literally just sent me this on my phone. And here's what I was going to share with you towards the end of the show. An amazing story. It was posted by Abdul Akila. Several years ago, I invited a Buddhist monk to speak to my senior elective class. And quite interestingly, he entered the room. He didn't say a word that caught anyone's attention. He just walked to the board and wrote this. Everybody wants to save the world, but no one wants to help mom do the dishes. The same quote. Darren had no idea what I was going to talk about tonight. This is coincidence? We all laughed, the story goes on here. But then he went on to say this to my students. Statistically, it's highly unlikely that any of you will ever have the opportunity to run into a burning orphanage and rescue an infant. But in the smallest 
gesture of kindness, a warm smile, holding the door for the person behind you, shoveling the driveway of the elderly neighbor, you have committed an act of immeasurable profundity because to each of us, our life is our universe. This is my hope for you for the new year, that by your smallest acts of kindness, you will save another's world. Everyone wants to save the world, but no one wants to help mom do the dishes. How cool is that? Darren, thank you for sending that to me. It's, it's such an incredible coincidence. I had that all queued up tonight to share at the end of the show. And I moved it up to the front because it was just too uncanny not to share with you. That is absolutely cool. All right. Speaking of cool, oh, this is not cool. This goes back to my discussion I did a couple of streams ago about the idiot BOMOs we believe in, or a lot of people in this country believe in, the uh, skullduggery, ridiculous Bomo crap. Sorry, I have very strong opinions about it. I think it's absolute bull crap. And if you believe in it, then you want to probably have some professional help. Well, it continues on. Here's the headline from the good folks at World of Buzz. Local preacher. The, the link is in the show notes if you want to read the whole article. Please do, because this person's an idiot. You'll go into our idiot bag. Local preacher warns against eating triangle-shaped nasi lemak because it links to the Illuminati. Pum, pum, pum. Yeah. We have a... Look, If <laughs> I know I've got listeners that don't live in Malaysia. Some have never been to Malaysia. A lot of you outside of Malaysia are right now going... Where's Malaysia? But if you look here on the screen, this is what we here call nasilamak bunkus. Bunkus means takeaway. And they wrap it up in a, a banana leaf with some cardboard, sometimes a newspaper uh, on the outside. And inside, it's rice cooked with pandan leaves and uh, coconut milk. It has some... Sambal, which is a spicy chili sauce. Ikambalis, which is basically little tiny dried uh, fish. Peanuts, usually a half of a hard-boiled egg. Trust me, you have not lived if you have not experienced nasi lemak. Yes, it's kind of our national dish in Malaysia. Sorry, Singapore. Sorry, Indonesia. Go away. You didn't invent it. We own it on you. Nasi Lemak belongs to Malaysia. Don't believe anything else you hear from in, uh, Indonesia or Singapore or wherever. It's Malaysian, okay? Anyway, you can just get a plate of this stuff and you eat it if you eat in-house. Then, you know, it's just going to come on the plate. But if you bungkus, if you take away, gaudim, uh, not gaudim, uh, Tapao. Uh, this is what you'll get. It's shaped in a triangle. This is what you get when you open it up. Well, this moron, 
Everyone loves Nasi Lamak, the article from World of Buzz. Link, link in the show notes. Check it out. From the ones who serve piping hot at a plate to those little banana leaf packets. And now some local idiot, oh, I'm sorry, did I say idiot? It says preacher here, has asked the general public to stop eating nasi lemak that comes in triangles. Why? Well, the Illuminati. Uh, some fool shared a screenshot, and here it is. It's in Malay. I won't read it because you'll laugh at me. My Malay sucks. But basically, he's saying that the triangles represent the Illuminati. So don't eat Nasi Lamak. Whose idea was it to make triangle-shaped Nasi Lamak, the preacher writes. <laughs> he then linked the banana leaf rice packeted Nasi Lamak to the Illuminati, claiming that it is a Jewish conspiracy to ja damage the faith of the people. Oh, my goodness. Yes, we are laughing at you because you're a moron. The Nasi Lamak package, there's a quote here, is a symbol of the Illuminati. It's a Jewish conspiracy to damage the face of those boycotting them. The way of packing has been around for centuries. Our staple rice dish is not a recipe from the West. And try not to be so short-sighted. Thank you. Uh, these are some of the reactions to some netizens out there. Uh, even Nasi Lamak packaging is becoming an issue. Obviously, his mind is rotting. <laughs> yeah, really. Rotting or rotted? I'd use the past tense. Oh, man. Anyway, considering a lot of underprivileged Malaysians are selling these Bunkus Nasi Lamaks as a source of income, it might be best to just leave it be and allow people to enjoy their favorite food. Please do check out the whole article. It is in our show notes tonight, and uh, it's well done. It's from World of Buzz. It just We love these folks. They do such a great job, have all kinds of really interesting stories, uh, <laughs> including ones like this one. So, uh, yeah. But you did manage to do one thing, preacher moron. You got your name in the papers, and somehow I have a feeling that's really all you were trying to do. So... Good on you. Success. Why, why, why? I don't know. All right. Uh, what else have we got? Oh, here's some successful food stuff. This is such a cool idea. If you are a teacher or if you teach kids at whatever level, I, I would think this was for younger kids, but it's a really cool idea and a really tasty one, too. How to teach preschool kids about the phases of the moon. Check this out. <laughs> this is so cool. Uh, again, I'm sorry if you're listening on the podcast, really check out our video. I don't, I don't care about the likes and the subscribe. I mean, it'd be great if you could. Please do. Just hit that follow button or subscribe over on YouTube or Rumble. Uh, but check out our video. Go up to about uh, 15, 16 minutes in if you want to the video and you can see this because it is purely a visual shot. But what they've done here is they've taken Oreo cookies and separated them. And then each one shows from the wax waning to the waxing moon all the way around as you go here. You can see this is so cool. Um, 
all the different phases of the moon, from a new moon each quarter to the full moon here at the bottom, where the co cover's completely off. And really, what a brilliant idea to teach kids about the phases of the moon, the shadow of the earth cast across the moon as it goes through its different phases. That is very cool. And then after class, you have a really nice snack. <laughs> yeah, that's the best part of that lesson. But the, it's a cute little thing. I, you'll, you'll find a link to the picture in our show notes. You can check it out there. It's a, it's, it's a very cool thing. I love that. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Innovation. Good for you. Hey, innovation from nature, too. There's a rather bad segue link, but... It's there. Again, the link to this is also in our show notes tonight. I want some of these things. I want to see this. Check this out. These are forest light mushrooms. This is not a fake picture. This is an actual picture of what are called forest light mushrooms. They are among the 100 or so fungi species that are bioluminescent. And look at that. How cool is that? They're, I mean, they glow insanely bright. Then these are usually found in Asia. Well, I'm in Asia and I've never seen them before. Do we have this in Asia? I have no idea. Like I said, I've spent a little time in the jungle, not at night. Maybe that's the problem. But maybe not enough time in the jungle at night. Although that doesn't sound like the best place to be. Uh, but these are so cool. You can, uh, you can check this out. It's, uh, again, from the Mind Circle. It's a post on Facebook. The link's in the show notes tonight in our description below. That is the show notes. And they're called Forest Light Mushrooms. It's just the coolest thing ever. I saw that and I thought, hmm, definitely have to share that one. Cool beans. All right. Well... I have not heard uh, Miko coughing from the toad venom in the last 15 or 20 minutes, so I'm going to guess she's probably okay. Uh, oh, Darren, hey! I, I hope you saw the start of the show, because that text you sent me with that quote is such a weird thing that I had that all queued up to share tonight. That is brilliant. Thank you. Anyway, Darren says, let me bring you, the secret is to bring a black light. I actually have a black light flashlight. You, you want some reality of Jay's life? Um, I used it because we had a cat peeing outside of our house, stray cat. And I was trying to find the cat pee. And a black light will make the cat pee illuminate uh, at night. So, um, yeah, I uh, that's why I have a black light, a black flashlight. So, cool beans. Yeah, that's a great idea. We'll have to uh, go out in the woods and check it out, Darren. I love that idea. Very cool. All right. And again, uh, that is the Darren, who will hopefully be a guest on our show Saturday night, talking about an amazing project that's coming up that you are definitely going to want your kids to get involved in. Uh, it's a brilliant uh, thing. It's coming up. You'll be seeing more about it on our show here. They totally stand out under a black light. I would bet. Yeah, that's a very cool thing. All right. Um, one more, maybe two, I think we've got time for before we get to our book tonight. 
But this is a really interesting one. It's um, a post, a public post by uh, Hekla Swomi Vadnajokul. I'm sure I messed up your name and I'm sorry. It's not on purpose. Um, But this is really cool. I saw this and wanted to share it. Uh, Do animals have feelings? This map... Again, I'm sorry, podcast listeners, to the audio only. Check out our link in the show notes. You'll find this in there. Uh, Do animals have feelings? Legal recognition of non-human animal sentience and suffering. This map shows the level that people in these particular countries across the globe feel whether or not animals have feelings. All the dark blue areas here. Let me uh, let me get my mouse back. Hang on, just one second. Okay, all the dark blue areas. This looks like Greenland. My geography is terrible. Australia, uh, great chunks of Europe, the UK. Say unequivocally, yes, animals have feelings. The light blue areas. Their population mostly feels that only some animals have feelings. That would include the United States, uh, some country in the middle of Africa on the East Coast. Don't know what country that would be. And there's one, I don't know, what is this? I don't know what country that is. Can anybody ID that for me, where, where my mouse is, that light blue one? There's another one around here, around the UK, that looks like uh, it's light blue. So not many have, have feel. I mean, quite a few major countries, of course, the US being a major country, says that only some have. Uh, the ones who feel no animals do not have feelings, but can experience suffering, that's the light pink area, which includes Canada, most of South America, uh, India, all of India, um, areas like uh, Japan. Japan surprises me that it would feel that way. Um, This is really fascinating. A lot of uh, South Asia, including Malaysia. This looks like North and South Korea, if I'm not mistaken, right here. Uh, But that's not pink. That's the uh, dark pink. This is weird. Because the dark pink said unequivocally, no, animals do not have feelings. To which I would say, screw you, because you're wrong. I'm in the very, very dark blue. In fact, if there was a bluer that was darker than this yes blue, I would be there. But these people, for whatever reason, feel that no, animals don't have feelings. And that includes... Whatever this, again, like I said, I'm sorry, my geography sucks. There's a couple countries in South America, virtually all of Africa, all of China and Russia. How interesting is that? All of Russia and China. Now, look, that's not to say that every citizen feels that way, but they did a a survey, and this is what the majority of the people in these countries it's, it's frightening, although I, can, I think in the case of, say, China, kind of explains a few things, if you know what I mean. 
Um, but yeah, that's that's and and again, this this looks like North and South Korea, maybe here uh, also in dark red. Darren says, I had this discussion with the chairman of the SPCA, Christine, last night. Uh, speciesism, if I'm saying that right. Uh, we're not ethnocentric enough. Humanize animals and judge them for our, from a human nature. Well, that's true. Absolutely. We need to understand them from an animal point of view and not a human point of view. You know, well said. And I'm not just agreeing with you because you're my dear friend. If I disagreed, I'd say it. But I think you're exactly right. When we say uh, animals have feelings, we tend to relate that to our own human feelings. Uh, in my humble opinion, I think animals can feel joy, sadness, loss. But we do, as Darren said, he's quite correct, we do have to understand these feelings from an animal point of view, not from a human point of view. Well said, well said indeed. Yeah. So an interesting article and a chart there. And um, do check it out. The link is in the show notes. It's just that graphic. That's all there is there. But if you click on the link, uh, you will see it in our uh, in our show notes tonight. If you want to check it out, it's quite interesting and a, and a good uh, good topic for discussion too. Mm. Sorry, coffee break time. And speaking of animals, there she is, the dear little Miko, on our uh, I'm not wearing pants mug. You can pick this up in addition to mouse pads, hoodies, ball caps, uh, scarves, every kind of thing, stickers, notebooks, uh, over on twitch.tv. Look for the show and then the about page, Miko merch, and you'll find all of our uh, all our Miko merch over there. You can check it out and buy something, would you? <laughs> all right. I think, let me just see. Ah, yeah. Okay. One last thing. I posted this. This was one of those, you know, Facebook reminds you of your past memories. This was six years ago. But I do have to say that I think my attitude is is just about the same. I'd walk through fire for my best friend. Well, not fire. That would be dangerous. But a really super humid room. But, you know, not too humid because my hair. So, <laughs> I know it's stupid, but it was just, you know, I'd walk through fire for you. All right. <laughs> we really have to move on. All right, please. Coming up on Sunday night, I will be chatting with uh, Darren Chow, who is watching our show right now. Thank you. And we are going to be talking about the Chrysalis Project and a very cool thing coming up. So if you have kids and you are interested in teaching them about nature, I, I don't want to give everything away, but trust me, you're going to want to know about this. So check it out. We'll have them on, not the whole show, just a part of the show to talk about the project, a little bit about this guy's incredible life. And that'll be coming up on our Saturday live stream. So do check it out. Saturday night, 10 o'clock Malaysian time here on, uh, on I'm Not Wearing Pants. All right. Are you ready? Because it's time. As you know, the last thing we do on this silly little program that we do three nights a week is to read from classic books. The whole book, we go all the way through it. Although Tom Sawyer is like 300 chapters, it's insanely long. 
So depending upon how bored I get with reading it, I don't know that we'll get through the whole book. We may move on to Huckleberry Finn in a while. But for now, we're doing Tom Sawyer, which was uh, written back in 1876. Uh, It uh, was one of the first novels originally written entirely on a typewriter, which is kind of a cool little bit of trivia for you. Not his most popular work at first, but then when Huckleberry Finn came out, it was so popular that then people went back and read Tom Sawyer. So, uh, yeah, quite cool. So we have been doing Tom Sawyer. And uh, we're going to get back into it and read uh, read a, a brand new chapter tonight. I think it's chapter six. But anyway, just a note that this book was written by Mark Twain back in 1876. And some of the words that he used back in 1876 were completely appropriate at the time. In today's age, some are considered vulgar and not so much appropriate. However... We are reading what is written, exactly the way it was written by Mark Twain in 1876. So, fair warning, if those sorts of silly things tend to offend you, you might want to mosey along. I'll leave that to your discretion. All right, it is Chapter 6 of The Amazing Adventures of Mark Mark Twain. (laughs) Adventures of Tom Sawyer. All right, buddy. Thanks, Darren. Oh, just got your booster aching all over. Wow. My significant other just got the booster too. So yeah, I know the feeling. All right, here we go. Monday morning found Tom Sawyer miserable. Monday mornings always found him so because it began another week's slow suffering in school. He generally began that day with wishing he had no intervening holiday It made the going into captivity and fetters again so much more odious. Tom lay thinking. Presently it occurred to him that he wished he was sick, and then he could stay home from school. There was a vague possibility. He canvassed his system. No ailments found. And then he investigated again. And this time he thought he could detect colicky symptoms. He began to encourage them with considerable hope. But they soon grew feeble, presently died wholly away. He reflected further, suddenly he discovered something. One of his upper front teeth was loose. Oh, this was lucky. He was about to begin to groan, as a starter, you know, as he called it when it occurred to him that if he came into court with that argument, his aunt would pull it out, and that would hurt. So he thought he'd hold on to the tooth in reserve for the present and seek further. Nothing offered for some little time, and then he remembered hearing the doctor tell about a certain thing that laid up a patient or two for two or three weeks threatened to make him lose a finger. So the boy eagerly drew his sore toe from under the sheet and held it up for inspection. But now he didn't know the necessary symptoms. However, it seemed well worthwhile to chance it, 
So he fell to groaning with considerable spirit. But Sid slept on unconscious. Tom groaned louder and fancied that he began to feel pain in the toe. No result from Sid. Tom was panting with his exhortations by this time. He took a rest and then swelled himself up and fetched a succession of admirable groans. Sid snored on. Tom was aggravated. He said, Sid, Sid, and shook him. This course worked well, and Tom began to groan again. Sid yawned and stretched, and then brought himself up on his elbow with a snort and began to stare at Tom. Tom went on groaning, and Sid said, Tom, say Tom. No response. Here, Tom, Tom, what is the matter, Tom? And he shook him and looked in his face anxiously. Tom moaned out, Oh, don't, Sid, don't joggle me. Why, what's the matter, Tom? I must call Auntie. Oh, no, never mind. It'll, it'll be over by and by, maybe. Don't call anybody. But I must. Don't groan so, Tom. It's awful. How long have you been this way? Hours. Ouch. Oh, don't stir so, Sid. You'll kill me. Tom, why didn't you wake me sooner? Oh, Tom, don't. It makes my flesh crawl to hear you, Tom. What's the matter? I forgive you, Sid. Groan. Everything you've ever done to me. When I'm gone. Oh, Tom, don't say you ain't dying, are you, Tom? Don't. Maybe I forgive everybody, Sid. Groan. Tell them so. And, Sid, you give my window sash and my cat with one eye to that new girl that's come to town. And tell her. But Sid had snatched his clothes and was gone. Tom was suffering in reality now. So handsomely was his imagination working, and so his groans had gathered quite a genuine tone. Sid flew downstairs and said, Oh, Aunt Polly, come, Tom's dying. Dying? Yes'm, don't wait, come quick. Rubbish, I don't believe it. But she fled upstairs nevertheless, with Sid and Mary at her heels, and her face grew white too, and her lip trebled. When she reached the bedside, she gasped out, You, Tom, Tom, what is the matter with you? Oh, Auntie, I'm... What's the matter with you, child? Oh, Auntie, my, my sore toes mortified. The old lady sank down into a chair and laughed a little, and then cried a little, and then did both together. This restored her. And she said, Tom, what a turn you did give me. Now you shut up that nonsense and climb out of this. The groan ceased. The pain vanished from the toe. The boy felt a little foolish. And he said, Aunt Polly, it seemed mortified, and it hurt so I never minded my tooth at all. Your tooth indeed, 
What's the matter with your tooth? One of them's loose and it aches perfectly awful. There, there now, don't begin that groaning again. Open your mouth. Well, your tooth is loose, but you're not going to die about that. Mary, get me a silk thread and a chunk of fire out of the kitchen. Tom said, oh, please, auntie, don't pull it out. It won't hurt anymore. I, I wish I may never stir if it does. Please don't, auntie. I don't want to stay home from school. Oh, you don't, don't you? So all this row was because you thought you'd get to stay home from school and go fishing? Tom. Tom, I love you so, and you seem to try every way you can to break my old heart with your outrageousness. And by this time, the dental instruments were ready. The old lady made one end of the silk thread fast to Tom's tooth with a loop and tied the other to the bedpost. Then she seized the chunk of fire and suddenly thrust it almost into the boy's face. The tooth hung dangling by the bedpost now. But all trials bring their compensations. As Tom wended to school after breakfast, he was the envy of every boy because the gap in his upper row of teeth enabled him to expectorate in a new and admirable way. He gathered quite a following of lads interested in the exhibition, and one that had cut his finger and had been the center of fascination and homage up to this time, now found himself suddenly without an adherent and shorn of his glory. His heart was heavy, and he said with a disdain which he did not feel that it wasn't anything to spit like Tom Sawyer. But another boy said, sour grapes, and he wandered away a dismantled hero. Shortly, Tom came upon the juvenile pariah of the village, Huckleberry Finn, son of the town drunkard. Huckleberry was cordially hated and dreaded by all the mothers of the town because it was idle, lawless, vulgar, and bad, and because all their children admired him so and delighted in his forbidden society and wished they dared to be like him. Tom was like the rest of the respectable boys in that he envied Huckleberry, his Gaudy, outcast condition was under strict orders not to play with him. So he played with him every time he got a chance. Huckleberry was always dressed in the cast-off clothes of full-grown men, and they were in perennial bloom and fluttering with rags. His hat was a vast ruin with a wide crescent looped out of its brim, his coat, when he wore one, hung nearly to his heels and had the rearward buttons far down the back, but one suspender supported his trouser. The seat of the trousers bagged low and contained nothing. The fringed legs dragged in the dirt when they weren't all rolled up. Huckleberry came and went at his own free will. He slept on doorsteps in fine weather and in empty hogsheads in wet. 
He didn't have to go to school or church or call any being master or obey anybody. He could go fishing and swimming when and where he chose and stay as long as it suited him. Nobody forbade him to fight. He could sit up as late as he pleased. He was always the first boy that went barefoot in the spring and the last to resume leather in the fall. He never had to wash, put on clean clothes. He could swear wonderfully. In a word, everything that goes to make life precious, that boy had. So thought every harassed, hampered, respectable boy in St. Petersburg. Tom hailed the romantic outcast. Hello, Huckleberry. Hello yourself. See how you like it. What's that you got? A dead cat. Let me see him, Huck. Oh my, he's pretty stiff. Where'd you get him? Bought him off in the boy. What'd you give? I give a blue ticket and a bladder that I got at the slaughterhouse. Where'd you get the blue ticket? Bought it off in Ben Rogers two weeks ago for a hoop stick. Say, what is dead cats good for, Huck? Good for? Cures warts with. No, is that so? I know something that's better. I bet you don't. What is it? Why, spunk water. Spunk water? I wouldn't give a darn for spunk water. You wouldn't, would you? Did you ever try it? No, I ain't. But Bob Tanner did. Who told you so? Why, he told Jeff Thatcher, and Jeff told Johnny Baker, and Johnny told Jim Hollis, and Jim told Ben Rogers, and Ben told a nigger, and the nigger told me. There now. Well, what of it? They all a lie. Leastways, I don't know him, but I never seen one that would lie. Shucks, you tell me how Bob Tanner done it, Huck. Why, he took and dipped his hand in a rotten stump where the rainwater was. In the daytime? Certainly. With his face to the stump? Yes, lest I reckon so. Did he say anything? I don't reckon he did. I don't know. Aha! Talk about trying to cure warts with spunk water. Such a blameful way as that. Why, that ain't a going to do any good. You gotta go all by yourself to the middle of the woods where you know there's a spunk water stump. Just, it's midnight, you back up against the stump and jam your hand in and say, Barleycorn, barleycorn, engine meal short, spunk water, spunk water, swallow these warts. Then walk away, quick, eleven steps with your eyes shut. Then turn around three times and walk home without speaking to anybody, because if you speak, the charm's busted. Well, that sounds like a good way, but ain't the best way Bob Tanner done. No, sir. You can't bet he didn't, because he's the wartiest boy in this town. And he wouldn't have a wart on him if he'd known how to work spunk water. I've took off thousands of warts by the hands that way. Huck, I play with frogs so much that I've always got considerable many warts. 
Sometimes I take them off with a bean. Oh, yeah, bean's good. I've done it that way. Have you? What's your way? Well, you take and split the bean, cut the wart so as to get some blood, then you put the blood on one piece of the bean and take and dig a hole and bury it about midnight at the crossroads in the dark of the moon. Then you burn up the rest of the bean. You see, that piece that's got the blood on it will keep drawing and drawing, trying to fetch the other piece to it. So that helps the blood to draw the wart, and pretty soon, off she comes. Yes, that's it, Huck, that's it. Though when you're burying it, if you say, down bean, off wart, come no more to bother me, it's better. That's the way Joe Harper does, and he's been clearly to Coonville and almost everywheres. But say, how do you cure them with dead cats? Why, you take your cat, and you get in the graveyard long about midnight when somebody has that wicked been buried. And when it's midnight, a devil will come, maybe two or three, but you can't see him. You can only hear something like the wind, maybe hear him talk, and when they're talking that feller away, you heave your cat at him and say, devil follow corpse, cat follow devil, warts follow cat, I'm done with ye, that'll fetch any wart. Sounds right. Did you ever try it, Huck? No, but old Mother Hopkins told me. Well... I reckon it's so then, cause they say she's a witch. Say? Why, Tom, I know she is. She witched Pap. Pap says so his own self. He come along one day, and he sees she a witchin' him, so he took up a rock. And if she hadn't dodged it, he'd have got her. Well, that very night he rolled off in a shed where he was a-layin' drunk and broke his arm. Why, that's awful. How did how did he know she was a witch in him? Lord, Pap can tell. Easy. Pap says when they keep looking at you right steady, they're a witch in you. Especially if they mumble. Because when they mumble, they're saying the Lord's Prayer backwards. Say, Hucky, when are you going to try the cat? Ooh, tonight I reckon they'll come after old Hoss Williams tonight. But they buried him Saturday. Didn't, didn't they get him Saturday night? Why, how you talk. You, how could their charms work until midnight and then it's Sunday? Devils don't slosh around much on a Sunday, I don't reckon. Mm, I never thought of that. That's so. Let me go with you. Of course. If you ain't afeard. Afeard? Taint likely, will you meow? Yes, and you meow back, if you get a chance. Last time you kept me a meow until old Hayes went to throwing rocks at me and says, Dern that cat. And I so have a brick through his window. But don't you tell. Oh, I won't. I couldn't meow that night because Auntie was watching me, but I'll meow this time. Uh, say, what's that? And eh, nothing but a tick. Where'd you get him? Out of the woods. What'll you take for him? I don't know. I don't want to sell him. 
All right. It's a mighty small tick anyway. Oh, anybody can run a tick down that don't belong to them. I'm satisfied with it. It's a good enough tick for me. Show there's plenty of ticks. I could get a thousand of them if I wanted to. Well, why don't you? Because you know mighty well you can't. This is a pretty early tick, I reckon. It's the first one I've seen this year. Uh, say, Huck, I'll, I'll give you my tooth for him. Let's see it. Tom got out a bit of paper and carefully unwrapped it. Huckleberry viewed it wistfully. The temptation was very strong. And at last he said, Is it genuine? Tom lifted his lip and showed the vacancy. Well, all right, said Huckleberry. It's a trade. Tom enclosed the tick in the percussion cap box that had lately been the pinch bug's prison, and the boys separated, each feeling wealthier than before. <laughs> and that's where we will leave this chapter, and we'll pick it up again on Saturday night. <laughs> oh, man, that is great. Love it, love it. All right, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer from The Amazing Mark Twain. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to our podcast and uh, all your downloads, likes, and follows. Really do appreciate that. Whether you're following us on uh, YouTube, Facebook, twitch.tv, or uh, rumble.com, just uh, sign up, subscribe. It's absolutely free. And uh, we, uh, we appreciate you coming along for the ride. I will see you again on Saturday night. We'll have a special guest Saturday. Darren will be here talking about some cool project going on for your kids. You don't want to miss that if you've got uh, young kids. And uh, it's quite exciting. So, all right. I'll see you again Saturday night. Until then, I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. Good night. Woo!